I'm actually born and brought up in a Roman Catholic family. That is the reason I have my name, Stephen David. And um, I live in a nation which has now surpassed the population of uh, China. So India is the most advanced nation in the entire world, at least in population. So I'm coming from a crowded city uh, where everywhere you hear honks and you see thousands of people on the streets. And I come from a city which is uh, one of the largest cities in India, which is Hyderabad, which is in the south central part of India. And uh, we are a population of more than 10 million. I was uh, born and brought up in a Roman Catholic family with no godly upbringing. In fact, uh, we were syncretistic in our upbringing and beliefs where we also worshipped uh, Hindu deities at the same time. And uh, to put in a short uh, phrase, if I was not transformed by the power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, I might have become either a criminal or a smuggler. That's the path that I chose in my pre-Christian life. But thanks be to God, who in his grace and mercy has chosen me before the foundation of the world. And through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, he brought me to the saving knowledge of Christ. And uh, after I was born again and found the joy of salvation, I wanted to share the gospel with the lost around me. And uh, uh, one of the lost persons who found Christ, and also me, is my wife. So she found uh, one the savior and the one the husband. So she is also coming from a Hindu background. Hinduism is a most uh, populated religious uh, uh, people in our nation. So after I came to the Lord, I underwent uh, theological college uh, training and then started discipleship training center, but never had the understanding of the local church. I always uh, resisted to be a pastor because I thought that uh, uh, church and pastoring really puts you in a cage where you cannot do your ministry extensively. But after many years of uh, doing itinerant ministry, I did a very thorough research on how the early church was and uh, what is the pattern of God in the Holy Bible regarding how his church should be. And when I read that and researched, I was deeply convicted that I should be devoted to the local church. It is at that time that God in his sovereignty has used me to start a uh, Telugu church. Uh, Telugu is the local language that we speak in our state. It is uh, uh, also my mother tongue. And uh, I started there and after a couple of years I was burdened to start an English church. And then handed over the Telugu church to my fellow worker. And uh, then started this uh, English church. And as we started to grow from the beginning of my pastoring ministry, God has birthed in me the desire to train leaders and plant churches. And then I started to train men along with me and uh, disciple people because I understood that church is not a formal service. It is a family of God. And uh, we should love one another and together love God and be a blessing to the lost. I started to train people and after a couple of years, uh, by the grace of God, last year, we planted uh, another church uh, about uh, 15 miles away from where we stay. And uh, it was so joyful that uh, they celebrated their one year anniversary um, this year. And uh, now in the month of June, we are starting another Telugu church, 
sending a few more people along with them so that uh, they can plant another Telugu church. By God's grace, uh, we as a church multiplied as four communities, but uh, uh, God has used us to impact a lot of other churches around us. And so many pastors have really understood what is a biblical church. So many churches understood what it means to be a part of a local church. So we are unworthy servants, but God in his grace and mercy has uh, chosen us to be a beacon of light in the city of Hyderabad, where uh, when people hear about, uh, where do you find a reformed, biblical, healthy church, they think about our church, and we don't deserve it. We have lots of weaknesses and failures as uh, we all are uh, going through the journey of sanctification. But God is good and faithful and is using us. One of the things we constantly do that is uh, pastoral internship, where we receive men and train them into the context of the local church because our conviction is that all those seminaries are good, but the real training of pastors happens in the local church because it is there their character is molded. Convictions can be built in a seminary, but character is strongly molded in the context of the loving community of God. So people go to seminaries, but they come to the church so that they can go through internship, and learn what it means to be a shepherd, learn what it means to be biblically qualified men. I feel so sorry to say that in India, a lot of men who are pastoring churches are not biblically qualified. They become pastors just because of some subjective feeling they have that God has called them, never affirmed by the church, never tested of their character, which is a very sad thing because of which a lot of churches are suffering under unbiblical pastors. But uh, God has given the grace for us to train men. So please to pray that uh, God would continue to use us in his grace and mercy to train men to become biblically qualified elders in the local churches. And the churches would be a disciple-making community. And together we would reach the lost around us with the unadulterated gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you come to Hyderabad, there are many churches, hundreds and hundreds of churches, but most of these churches are health and wealth, motivational, moralistic, prosperity churches, but uh, it is very hard to find uh, biblical churches, healthy churches that are devoted to the unchanging power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, please to remember us, we have a lot of work to do in India, and uh, the brothers and sisters who have come from India to here, there is a great opportunity for you people to reach the fellow Indians around you and also pray for this country and be devoted to spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The comforts and the dollars of America should never be the motivation for us to be here, but to shine as the salt and the light of the world and be a blessing to the nations wherever we are that God has placed us. So... This is my brief uh, testimony and uh, how the Lord has given me the grace. I would like to share with you briefly and encourage your hearts from the word of God. I generally give expositional sermon, but today I thought about uh, sharing with you because I see this is a great need. And the title that I have given to the message that I am sharing with you is on Becoming a Great Commission Church. Becoming... A great commission church. Please understand, I, I'm not saying becoming 
a great commission pastor or becoming a great commission elder. The title is Becoming a Great Commission Church. The reason I say Great Commission Church is because the Great Commission is given to the body of Christ and we all as members of the body of Christ has have the responsibility to fulfill the Great Commission. And um, let us not think that it is only the responsibilities of leaders. I remember what John Stott, one of the um, great uh, theologians, uh, a few years ago he passed away. He said something like this. He said that we should not ask what is wrong with the world. For that diagnosis has already been given. Rather, we should ask what has happened To salt and light. God intends us to penetrate the world. We have the responsibility as a church to penetrate the world. To impact the society with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And also to train men and plant churches. One of the things that we see today's modern churches has lost is a passion for missions. A passion for great commission. A passion that they are existing in this world, not just to shine in the lives of each other, which is very important, but also as the salt and light of this world. So I want to argue from the word of God and would like to persuade you to take the great commission seriously. And as I go ahead and present before you, there are six factors that I would like to present to you. The first one is the promise. The second is the price. The third is the prescription. The fourth, the pattern. Fifth, practice. And sixth is prayer. I would like to begin with the promise that the Lord Jesus made in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 16. Gospel of Matthew chapter 16. And uh, this is a conversation that we say... Where Jesus asked his disciples, who do you think I am? Several people said, several opinions. And then Simon Peter gave an apt answer. And he said that, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And when Jesus heard the response of Peter, he said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. The only way to know who Christ is, is through the revelation of the Father in heaven. And Peter received that and he affirmed it. And then Jesus went ahead and made a grand promise here. He said that, and I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Here are the words of the beloved Savior whose words will never pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away but the words of the maker of the heavens and the earth will never pass away and he makes a grand promise over here that on this rock when the Lord Jesus said on this rock it is on the confession Peter that you made about who am I. We can even go further and say that On myself, I build my church. 
The church is built only on the foundation of who Jesus is. And today a lot of churches are collapsing and shattering and scattering. It's because they are going away, drifting away from who Christ is according to the revelation of the Holy Bible. So one of the responsibilities of the church is to fight, guard and protect the supremacy of Christ Jesus in the body of Christ. And the Lord Jesus said here that on this rock, on myself, I will build my church. When the Lord Jesus said, I will build my church, what he's saying is is that I will save my people. I will gather my people. I will sanctify my people. And eventually, I will glorify them. One reason why we are here, do you know brothers and sisters is why? Is because of the unfailing, unchanging promise of the Lord Jesus Christ that he will build his church. If not for the promise of Christ, we wouldn't be here today. But there is a price that has to be paid in order for the Lord Jesus Christ to fulfill his promise. And that is my second factor that I want to share with you. What is the price that Christ has paid for the promise to come to fulfillment? We find that in the book of Acts chapter 20 verse 28. If you will, will you all read this together? We can open our holy Bibles to Acts chapter 20 verse 28 and let us all read this together. One, two, three. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Do you see here? We see that Paul has commissioned to the elders of the church to oversee the flock of God. And he reminds them about what this flock is. This is not a flock that any man has given birth to. This is a flock of God. It doesn't say that the church of so and so. It says that the church of God, which means church belongs to God, not to any man. And then he says here that there is a price that God has paid for this church. And what is the price? It says here, which he Obtained with his own blood. (laughs) For the promise of Christ to be fulfilled. That is to build his church. In order for Christ to build your life and my life. And together as a church. It cost the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It came at a price. My dear brothers and sisters. And why Christ should pay this price. Why was it necessary for Christ to shed his blood in order to fulfill his promise, which is to build his church? It is because the Bible reveals that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none good, none righteous, none godly. Every person who is born into this world is born with a depraved heart, with a rebellious nature against the standards of God. Without any submission to the authority of the word of God. And as a result of man becoming a sinner, wicked, ungodly, unrighteous. The Bible tells that the wages of sin is eternal condemnation. There is a wage 
There are wages for sin and that is that is death. And as a result of man's sin, man became the object of God's condemnation. But the Bible also reveals that man can do nothing to save himself. No matter how much blood he might shed, no matter how many religious activities that he do, he will never be able to save himself from the condemnation of sin. And for this reason, the Holy Bible reveals that the maker of the heavens and the earth has become a man, one among us, walked on the dusty streets, preached the glorious truths of the heavenly father, and eventually he went to the cross, shed his blood, offered his body, consumed the wrath of God, took the condemnation of God upon himself, and he died on the cross, and he laid his life propitiating for our sin, making an atonement for our sin, and he rose on the third day. The Holy Bible reveals that all those who repent of their sins and believing in the work of Christ on the cross will receive the free gift of God, which is eternal life. If there is any person here, or anyone who is listening online, who has been coming to the church but has not yet come to Christ, who may have been listening to the word of God but not repented of your sins and believed in the gospel of Christ, I urge you today to repent of your sins and believe in the only Lord and Savior of your life who loved you and gave his life for you because he is the only Savior who can save you from sin. But all those who are saved by the grace of God, we have the responsibility To carry on the great commission. Which is what is our prescription. We have seen the first thing is the promise. The second is the price. And now third is the prescription. Which speaks about how this great commission is to be fulfilled. And how we as a church. When we say that we are saved by the grace of God. We are the church of the living God. It is not enough that we come together on every Sunday. Or having a Bible study. Which is very important. For the life of the church. But that is not sufficient. We must also take the great commission seriously. So that we can fulfill the last words and the mandate of the Lord Jesus Christ. That we find in the gospel of Matthew chapter 28. The gospel of Matthew chapter 28 from verses 18 to 20. Shall we all read this together? Lift up our voice and recite This great commission that the Lord has given to the apostles and through the apostles to the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey, observe all that I have commanded you, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. A lot of Christians have this placard. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Which they forget the context in which the beloved Savior has said. Is when you go and fulfill the great commission. Don't fear. My presence will be with you. And you can fulfill the commission that you Receive from me. The mandate here is making disciples. The mandate here is making disciples. Christ has not only given the mandate. He also gave us the 
prescription on how this mandate is going to be fulfilled. And there are three participles that we see in the verb making disciples. And the three participles are the first going. You need to take initiation to make disciples. And second, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And third, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. So it is by going, baptizing and teaching that you make my disciples. So, according to the commission that we receive here, we are fulfilling the great commission is not left to our whims and wishes about how we make disciples. We have been given the prescription, the only way you can make my disciples, you can make your own disciples in whatever way you want to, which is what is happening all over the world today. Many are made disciples, but not of Christ, but of themselves. But if you want to make my disciples, then you should do the prescription that I have given you. And that is baptizing and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And uh, the question that comes to us is, how did apostles understood about how they should be doing this? Did you ever think about how the apostles must have understood about how they should be baptizing? How they should be teaching. How they should be taking, carrying out the great commission. And that we find in the book of Acts. Which brings me to the fourth factor, the pattern. What is the pattern that we see in the book of Acts? Of how this great commission is going to be fulfilled. And I'm telling you my dear brothers and sisters. The book of Acts is connected to the promise of Christ. That he will build his church. The book of Christ is connected to the price that Christ paid to buy the church by his blood. The book of Christ is connected to the prescription that Christ has given in the great commission. Matthew 28, go and make disciples. And this is how we see the pattern throughout the book of Acts about how they have fulfilled the great commission. So let us see the pattern. How? Does Christ build his church and how the disciples took the great commission seriously? Please turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 2. We see here the church was born on the day of Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit descended on them. And when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they spoke in strange languages which was known to the people. Not something that is unknown. And uh, when the people heard these people speaking in tongues in their own language, they thought that these people were drunk. And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the power of God, stood out and he preached the unchanging, life-changing power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Peter preached the gospel, we see that this is, this is what taken place in verse 37. And when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. They didn't preach health and wealth gospel here. They preached the power of the crucified Savior on the cross for the sins of the people. And when they heard that, it was their sin which crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. They were cut to the heart. And the Bible tells you that. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles. Brothers, what shall we do? What shall we do to be saved? 
And then we see Peter giving them the commission. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exalt them saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. Now hear this carefully. After he preached the gospel and called them to repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see how the great commission is going to be fulfilled here. How it is being fulfilled here. It says in verse 41. So those who received the word were baptized and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. So what has been fulfilled here? We see that baptism was fulfilled in the great commission. But then what is the last thing that they have to do in the great commission? The Bible tells that teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. A lot of people because of the editors who dissect the sections of the Bible. Miss that verse 42 is a continuation of verse 41. And you see what it says in verse 42. Acts chapter 2 verse 42. It says here that. And they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching. And the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Now what has happened over here? We see that church was planted. So when the Lord Jesus said that, go and baptize, make my disciples, teach them to obey everything I have commanded, that takes place in the context of the church. Apart from the church, great commission cannot be meaningfully fulfilled. And that is what we see throughout the book of Acts. If you read the book of Acts carefully, what you see is that the apostles took the great commission and they fulfilled the great commission in the pattern of planting churches. For example, we see in Acts chapter 2, we see church being planted, birthed in Jerusalem. And then we see in Acts chapter 8, we see church being planted in Samaria. And then if you see Acts chapter 10, we see church being planted in Caesarea. And then if you see Acts chapter 11, we see church planting in Antioch of Syria. And then if you see Acts chapter 13, we see church planting in the Antioch of Pisidia. And then if you see Acts chapter 14, church planting in Iconium, Lystra and Derbe. And if you see Acts chapter 15, church planting in Philippi. If you see Acts chapter 16, church planting in Thessalonica and Berea. If you see Acts chapter 18, church planting in Corinth. If you see Acts chapter 19, church planting in Ephesus. You see throughout the book of Acts, the gospel was spread, churches were planted. But Jesus didn't tell them to plant churches. He told them to make disciples. And they made disciples by planting churches. Because without planting churches, disciples cannot be made. That is one mission that I have when people ask me, what is the passion, Stephen, that you have? I tell them that the greatest gift that I want to give to my generation 
are healthy churches. Because only in the context of a healthy church, Christians can grow healthily. Without healthy churches, there is no healthy growth of Christians. And I tell you, brothers and sisters, it is very hard to find healthy churches today. And I encourage you, make sure that you are a part of a healthy church. And if you happen to move to any other church, make sure that you are a part of healthy churches. A lot of people, when they think about moving out somewhere or making a decision about their career, about their children's school, about their home, church is the least priority to them. It is after joining their children in school, it is after making their career choice, it is after buying a home, then they think about, oh, I think we need to think about a church now. That's a dangerous decision that we can make. We need to make sure that healthy churches are a part of our decision making. So what I want to tell you from the Great Commission and from the book of Acts is that the Great Commission is not just about preaching the gospel. Although preaching the gospel is essential, very important, but it is just not about that. The Great Commission is not just about doing social work and community development, which is important. The Great Commission is not about social reformation and social justice. Although these are important. The Great Commission is planting biblical churches. Dave Early. Brother, I thank you for bringing water. Um, Normally I sweat when I preach, which is very normal. (laughs) People have mercy on me. But I don't feel thirsty actually. I'm a black guy who sweat a lot. (laughs) When I eat and preach, I don't do two things. I don't do two things. That is drinking water. (laughs) But I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Uh, Dave Early is a pastor and associate professor of pastoral leadership for Liberty Baptist Theological Seminary. And a lot of Bible scholars even agree what Great Commission is. And let me say this to you before I go to the next factor, practice. The way the first followers of Jesus carried out the Great Commission directly resulted in the planting of churches. Youth camps, concerts, coffee houses and other ministries are all good. They can be helpful in the process of fulfilling the Great Commission. But the ultimate fulfillment of the Great Commission is church planting. The ultimate fulfillment of the Great Commission is church planting. There is really no way to fulfill the Great Commission apart from the local church. So my challenge to you, my dear brothers and sisters, is this. Please don't settle with your own existence. Arise. Fulfill the Great Commission by planting more churches. If you want to be a church that is after the pattern of the book of Acts, then we must plant churches. I have planted a church, but I cannot just say that, yeah, Ecclesia Evangelical Fellowship, I planted, I can wash my hands and I say, hallelujah, Lord, I have done my job. No, that is not the end. That is only the beginning. The church should get and own the vision And passion and the commission of the Lord Jesus Christ that yes, now we have become the church. 
But there is a greater responsibility for us now, which is to grow and multiply and plant more churches. It is a very sad thing in America, and that is old churches are dying. Old churches are becoming empty. There are seldom that we see youth in the churches today. Old churches are dying, and sadly, false churches are rising. So many false churches are rising. Prosperity, health, wealth, motivational churches which are rising like an army. And we, as a church who believe in the gospel and believe in biblical churches, we must be devoted to planting biblical churches. And that is a commission that the Lord has given to us. So, now comes the fifth, fifth factor after the prescription, after the promise, price, and uh, prescription and pattern. Now the practice. How do we fulfill this? How do we take the great commission? I will go fast. I can spend a lot of time in that. But since time is constrained, I will just uh, share briefly with you how we can take this and uh, become a church that plants churches. And I want to tell you brothers and sisters. This can only happen. This can only happen. When believers own. The great commission in their hearts. If elders have a passion which is good. It is not sufficient. The whole church should take the responsibility. That we must fulfill the great commission. Because it is not possible by one man. By two men. It is only possible by the community of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the first thing that we should do for this to happen, and we must understand that church planting is not in the ability of man. Life changing is not in the capability of any human being. This is the kingdom of God. We are building the kingdom of God and we cannot do it by ourselves. And that's the reason the Lord Jesus taught us in Matthew chapter 9. And especially... He said that in verse 37, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. One thing that we have to begin doing is for us to become missional, a great commission church, is to pray that God would burden the hearts of the men in the church, that they would rise to leadership. That some of them would rise to become church planters. That we would penetrate our society with biblical healthy churches for the glory of the living God. And this to happen, we have to pray earnestly. My question to you brothers and sisters is are we praying earnestly for the workers to be sent into the harvest field? And not only that, we see that in 2 Timothy 2.22, Paul commissions Timothy that what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also, which speaks about trained men in the churches. You know, one of the faithful authors today, and uh, who brought a great revitalization in the seminary, Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and uh, that man's name is uh, Albert Moeller. And he said that although he had a seminary, he has been a seminarian for many years. He said that the best education that you can give to men is by training them 
in the context of the local church. Because it is a church that can give birth to churches. So we see here that we need to train men. And we need to see that the men are equipped for the kingdom of God. So I want to tell you and challenge you my dear brothers. Please go to your elders. Because they are devoted to fulfill the great commission. They are devoted to the spread of the kingdom of God. You can go to them and say that. Brothers, would you please train me? I want to be a responsible leader in my house, but also I want to rise up and become a man that God wants me to be for the glory of the living God. I was telling even Pawan uh, this afternoon that, hey Pawan, grab all the opportunities that you have for training so that you can equip yourself to be a blessing to the body of Christ. Men should be trained. Without training, we don't say fulfilling of the great commission. And we also see that not only praying and training, there are the third thing that comes to us is go or accompany or send. As a member of the church, we have three responsibilities. Either go, which is we go out and spread the gospel and plant churches. And not everyone can do that. Only few men rise to become church planters. And some of you If God is burdening you, please go and talk to your leaders. It is a great blessing to be church planters. As a shepherd, one great joy that I have in shepherding the body of Christ is when men come to us and say that, Brother, I want to be a church planter. I want to plant church. Please train us, equip us, so that we can become faithful shepherds of God's flock. And it has been my experience to see several men in the church rising And planting churches. But some may not go. But they can accompany. When we plant churches. Some people intentionally accompany them. So that they can plant churches. I know some people. Who intentionally. Move their career. So that they can help the church planter. In planting churches. Which is a great joy to see. Such people who are so. Kingdom minded. Or we can send. We can stand behind these men and say that I pray for you. I give all my support to you so that you can go and fulfill the great commission. And I would like to just read this one verse in this section as I am speaking about going, accompanying, sending from Romans chapter 10 verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how they are to hear without someone preaching? And how they are to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. I love what John Piper said in line with the scripture. He said that there are only three kinds of Christians when it comes to world missions. There are only three kinds of Christians when it comes to fulfill the great commission. Now, you need to examine yourself where do you fall in these three categories. The first thing he says, John Piper says that the first thing is there are zealous goers. Second, zealous senders. Third, disobedient. Zealous goers who go, zealous senders who stand behind this man. And disobedient. And who are these disobedient people? 
They only live for dollars, for comforts, to build their own kingdoms. They only think about how they can prosper in this world with no heart to how to carry on this great commission. And in this practice of, uh, you know, praying and training and either going, accompanying, sending, there is one thing that I would like to also point out is from Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 verse 14. Here it says that Paul said, Yet it was kind of you to share my troubles. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. What a sad thing that we see that Paul was a great church planter and only one church joined with him in planting churches and that is the church in Philippi. They gave generously. They supported the church planting ministry of Paul. And you know, one reason why so many churches are not able to plant churches is because there are no generous givers for missions. There are no generous givers who come and say that I support the mission of the church, the great commission of the church, plant churches. Because church planting takes money. It costs money. Money is not everything. But money is required in order to support the church planters and to see that church planting is happening. So my dear brothers and sisters, if you want to really stand along with this great commission and see that this great commission is fulfilled, We need to be generous givers. A church that is not generous in giving cannot become a great commission church. And I'm so glad that the churches who catch this vision that we need to become a great commission church, how generously they gave. Yes, there is a loan for us to uh, pay back. There are mortgages. There are positions that we buy. And along with all these things, we should also make sure that we are contributing to the kingdom of God. And I love what Randy Alcon says here that the opportunities for using our financial resources to spread the gospel and strengthen the church all over the world are greater than they have ever been. As God raised up Esther for just such a time as hers, I am convinced he has raised us up with all of our wealth to help fulfill the great commission. The question is, what are we doing with that money? Our job is to make sure It gets to its intended recipients. We must be generous givers in order for the Great Commission to be fulfilled. And the last thing that I want to close with, after speaking about promise, price, prescription, pattern and practice, is prayer. And I want to close this with what the Lord Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew chapter 6. Which is famously known as the Lord's Prayer. The Lord Jesus gave a caution here. That don't pray like the Gentiles. Don't pray like the Gentiles. For your father in heaven knows what you need before you ask him. So when the Lord Jesus said, don't pray like the Gentiles babbling And with many words, for your father in heaven knows what you need before you ask him. 
What he meant to say is that Gentiles are preoccupied with their own dreams and needs and wishes. They are not kingdom minded. But today we see that uh, much of our prayer life is driven and even today's Christianity is personal needs driven. All that people think about is career, job, marriage, children, education, house, possessions, pleasure trips. Have you ever thought about what is it that God wants me to do? What is it that God wants me to pray? And the Lord Jesus, when it, a lot of people, when they see the Lord's prayer, they only think it as a prayer. Now we need to understand, brothers and sisters, when the Lord taught, this is how we must pray, he also meant, this is how we must live. What you pray the most is what you become. And the prayer here is that don't pray like the Gentiles who are preoccupied with their own needs and wants. But this is how you should pray. And this is how he began to teach his disciples. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There are three things the Lord Jesus taught us that should dominate your prayer. That is the glory of God, the kingdom of God, and the will of God. It is not only our prayers that should be dominated by these three factors. Our Christian life should be dominated by these three factors. That as a Christian, I live for the glory of God. For the kingdom of God. And for the will of God. It is not for my name and fame. It is not about let my name be hallowed. It is not about let my kingdom be built. It is not about let my will be done. It is your glory, your kingdom, and your will. And then after that, the Lord Jesus said in verse 11, you pray, give us today our daily bread. The priority is not the daily bread. The priority is not my dream. The priority is not my wishes. Because God has made us not for ourselves, but for his glory. If he has made us for his glory, then our prayer should be also for his glory. Our life should be also for his glory. Our decision should be also for his glory. The modern Christians, what we, they have done is that they have put, give us today our daily bread, the first priority. And pushed the glory of God, the kingdom of God, and the will of God to the corner. And that is why we say, so poor Christianity that is lived. But how is God's name glorified? How is God's kingdom is established? How is God's will to be done? It is fulfilled through Christ's promise that I will build my church. It is only the church that brings glory to God. Only the church that invokes the kingdom of God. Only the church that fulfills the will of God. And for that Christ has paid the price by shedding his blood. And he also gave the prescription so that through this we can glorify God. Fulfill the will of God. Build his kingdom. And that is by making disciples through the pattern of planting churches. And if you want to become a great commission church, brothers and sisters, are we owning the great commission? And I want to leave you with this challenge that C.T. Studd said he was a great celebrity in his time. But when he realized the importance of the Great Commission, he devoted himself for that. And his famous words are, only one life 
and it will soon be past. Only what has done, only what is done for Christ will last. Brothers and sisters, one life and very soon this life is fading away. But before we leave this world, let us fulfill the will of God. Let us be a part of his kingdom work. Let us glorify his name. Let us not live a life like the Gentiles who run after the things of the world, who are worried about the things of the world without having the glory of God, the kingdom of God, the will of God, the great commission as their passion. And if we are different from the world, let us become the salt and light of the world and take the great commission seriously and be devoted to making disciples through the planting of churches. As elders and believers shall we join our hands together to fulfill his commission until he returns. Shall we all rise on our feet and pray together? Shall we all rise on our feet and pray together? And may we ask God, Lord, help me to either to go or accompany or stand and send. I don't want to waste my life. I don't want to be preoccupied with my needs which you know beforehand. Heavenly Father, thank you for speaking to our hearts this evening. We are living in a generation where believers and churches have lost their vision of their existence and that is to be the salt and the light of the world and to fulfill the great commission. Heavenly Father, please do give us your grace and mercy. Thank you for this wonderful community, Christian Fellowship Church. Thank you for the godly leaders in this church. Oh Lord, you raised this church as a mighty witness of yours in this New Jersey and beyond. And pray that godly men rise and be trained and uh, may the church stand with them and send church planters to plant churches in America and even beyond. Oh Lord, our life is short. Very soon we are going to turn to dust and ashes, but again we will be glorified in your presence. And we all have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account of our lives. Heavenly Father, help us to live for your glory. Help us to live for your kingdom. Help us to live for your will. Give us your grace, O Master of the heavens and the earth, not to be self-absorbed. Not to be the people who live for themselves. Not to be like the Gentiles who pray, who run after the things of the world. But may we be a church and people who seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And pray that your name be hallowed, that your kingdom come and your will be done. And be devoted, O Lord, to fulfill the great commission. Give us your grace, O Heavenly Father, to fulfill your will. Fight a good fight of faith. Finish our race and enter into your eternal glory. And Lord, once again, we thank you for the price that the Lord Jesus paid for the church. The blood that he shed, the body that he offered, the death that he died and the resurrection that he had experienced because of the power of your resurrection. And we thank you that he is coming soon. And until he comes, help us to be faithful in carrying out your mission. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I offer this prayer with thanksgiving. Amen.